Hi, my name is Jamie Lynch, and you are listening to Eating Habits, my podcast about everything restaurants. I will explore the human element of the hospitality business, and I'll talk to the who's who in restaurants, explore their stories, and hear what's on their minds in the ever-changing landscape of the food and beverage industry. Hey, this is Hamilton Horn of King Tide Farms, and you're listening to the Eating Habits. Sweet. What's up, Hamilton? Hey, bud. How you doing? Good. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you. We've kind of been on hiatus for a hot minute, so um, to our listeners, you know, thanks for hanging out and letting us take a break. I'm excited about this conversation. I've been wanting to get Hamilton on here for a hot minute. I'm really interested in what you're doing here in Charleston. I, too, had did some farming, um, so I'm super into like growing and that whole process. But before we get into all that, let's talk about what, how you got to, what, it, what is King Tide Farms? How does it work? And then why you got to farming? Like what led you to that? Got it. Yeah, so King Tide Farms, it's a hydroponics farm inside of a 40-foot shipping container. So I purchased it from a company, Freight Farms, out of Boston, Massachusetts, and had them deliver it down here to me. And then kind of built my business around this growing device that they, that they provide for you. So what it is, is it's got a little bit of everything in there. It's got some hydroponics, some aeroponics. It's got some new age stuff. Um, but really just traditionally what it is, is going to be your hydroponics, which is your nutrients being delivered through the water system there. Um, gotcha. And what we do is we're running 18 hour days. And that really shortens our growth cycle to be able to grow things within six to seven weeks and get that out to you. So again, with that cool, small growth cycle, we can grow a lot of cool things for chefs and kind of keep up with their ever-changing menus and, and demands. Gotcha. Where is the shipping container? Gotcha. Is it like so sitting I, in your yard? Yeah. Is it like in a, is it like in a junkyard? Like, where is this thing? I imagine it being like in the back of a junkyard somewhere with like some Rottweilers guarding it. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I tried, I tried putting it in the backyard. Yeah. Uh, they didn't like that. Who's um, they? Uh, the town of James Island. Mm, okay, yeah. so you're located on James Island. Yeah, no, that's where I, I live. So I tried, okay. tried oh, to put oh, it Oh, you had to put, my... try to put it in your, in your house, and they yeah. were like, eh-eh. No. Okay. So it is a shipping container, and so that's what you're having to face a lot of the zoning issues with, right? Like yep. You try and convince them, no, it's this farm, but it's, you know, in the end, all they see is it's a container. So right. the gray-haired men were, were pretty... Uh, pretty hard to persuade on a couple different issues, but we got it now at the Firefly Distillery in Park Circle. So okay, cool. That, yeah, that's really great. They're, they're good people. And to get back to the why and how it all started was after Hurricane Dorian, I went down to Hopetown, Bahamas, mm-hmm. where Firefly does have a resort down there, the, the Firefly Sunset Resort. Cool. Um, and there's a lot of historical ties to the, the Bahamas through Charlestonians and, and you know pre-revolutionary war times and yeah. stuff like that. So. I went down there, helped out, helped them build back and, and worked at the distillery or the, the resort down there. And, you know, that's where we really kind of fed everybody was at the large commercial kitchen there. Cool. And I just really saw, a, you know, a need and, and how important it is to have fresh food because they grow like 2% or maybe 1% of the food they actually consume in the Bahamas. Yep. And even still, you're having to put it on a boat or a plane to get it from the islands around. Yep. And so it was just very, I guess, like that aha, that moment for me, like, you know, fresh food is just so much easier now to get to places. What if you just helicoptered one of these things in and you started growing right away? And, yes. And so from that came back and kind of really just started doing my research and, and figuring out how can I do that and how can I, you know, provide food more locally and not have to have this long logistic train of, of getting 18 wheelers involved from California to get our lettuce to the side. And then yep. again, for the chefs too, giving them something, you know, more fresh to work with and, and not having to waste their money. Yep. 
That's interesting. So this was, so the impetus of this was some of the relief work that you were helping out with down in, um, in the Bahamas after Dorian. Certainly. That's crazy. Very interesting. I, you know, is anybody doing this down there right now in the Bahamas? Sir. Yeah. They actually have two of the exact same units in Nassau now. Okay, cool. Right on. Yep. Very cool. How much does one of these things cost? Yeah, so to get it from them, it's going to cost about $140,000. Okay. Um, and it is kind of difficult to get financing on something like this because it is new. Yeah. So that was definitely... Banks are kind of weird about yep. loaning for things they don't they don't know they're going to get their money back Again, on. Again, back to those gray-haired guys. Yeah. They, they fear what they don't know, right? right? So they're going to not really be you know, as adamant about giving you money for something like this as a traditional piece of farming equipment. Like right. you go see a farmer and he's getting a tractor, right? Yeah. They got a great loan program for him. Sure. Right? And in my mind, that's how I see that piece of equipment, yeah. that piece of farm equipment. So... Yeah, that was that was one other aspect that you kind of had to, to work around is is getting that money to that. So 140k to get them and then deliver it here, and then you know you have to kind of get your electricity set up, build a pad, things like that. And so let's talk a little bit about that because I think that's that that's that's interesting to me. I yeah. hope people find it interesting. But like, so first, what does the 140k include? So that's your that's your shipping container. That's the infrastructure inside of it. Yep. And the support so, system behind it is huge, right? So okay. there's there's definitely other people out there that are selling these and, and that was big for me. Okay. Right. Cause I'm not a hydroponics farmer. Right. I've actually done row crops for a few years and things like that, but never in this capacity or this method. So mm-hmm. that was very important to me to find someone that I could rely on with that support anytime I needed it. Yep. And that, and they're great for that. So something cool. breaks, I call it, they're logging into my farm, you know, remotely. They're checking to see what's going on and really maintaining the system for me at the same time. Gotcha. So they can remotely access the whatever the analytics for you know power usage, water consumption, whatever nutrient levels, things like that, all through a remote situation. Yep, it's called Farmhand, and I mean I control yeah. it from my phone. That's right? dope. And we call it our almanac. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Super cool. And so that so that 140k is the machine. Mm-hmm. It's the infrastructure, whatever that backbone backbone is, yep. right? And then it, it has to have probably some sort of power in. But like, I don't we, know, was we a breaker panel or We are using some power. So yeah. that is, you know, you can't save the world by yourself, but we use about five gallons of water a day to grow 15,000 plants. We're doing 18 wow. hour days. So again, that's shortening that cycle down to about five to seven weeks, depending on what size of the product you want. Like yep. your lettuce is what we're talking about, yep. four and five weeks, right? Yep. So we spend three weeks in a nursery and then we transfer to these cultivation walls where everything's grown vertically. Um, and so, yeah, then that, with that, the power bill is definitely our biggest, uh, our biggest overhead. How much power, is it possible to run one of these units off of solar or some so. sort of renewable yeah. type? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It, you know, and that's the thing too, you know, solar is so hard to run monster grids off of and things right. like that. But when we have such a prevalent sun and, and I'm working to try and get some grants right now to get solar. So yes, sir. I think that's one of the big things that solar can help with. There are smaller projects like yeah. this, even if it offset it, you know, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. It's crazy to think though, you're capturing the sun to grow plants inside, or you could just grow the plants outside. Right. It's kind of ironic in that right. sense, but yeah. But, but why is that important though? Because I think this is, because this is something that I thought about. So when I opened my farm, right. um, Corey and I started a farm a few years ago and we ran it for two full seasons. It was like two and a half seasons. We, we grew on the farm and we, and we played around. We went through all of these kinds of ideas, right? Like, do we want to do some, um, you know, do we want to grow inside? Do we want to grow, you know, in, in the dirt? How do we, you know, I wanted to grow in the dirt. 
you know, because I wanted as a chef, I wanted to understand the stuff that we're cooking. I wanted to understand the process. I wanted to understand like how all these things kind of play together to help boost my food game, right? right? My food knowledge. But there's, there is something to be said. I know the purists out there are like, if it's not grown in dirt, you know, (laughs) whatever. Love those. Um, Yeah. But, but there's a good argument as to why this is important. I'm curious what you're... Yeah, um, so I kind of was talking about it earlier. I, I was in row crops for a while. Mm-hmm. So um, I was in agricultural chemical sales. I, I was the guy pushing glyphosate on, on all the, the corn and tobacco. Gross. And I know, right? Dude, right? what is wrong with I'm you? I'm atoning for my sins. This yeah, is what I'm doing, okay. Right? Is that what's going on? That's exactly Okay, it. so this is part of it too. This is it, right. All right. So with that, you know, it's never going to be a replacement. Right. We, right. Have to, we have to complement that. And so with growing inside, I feel that we can control the yields and we can control outputs a lot more. Yep. You're never changing your problems. You're buying a new set of problems. Yes. Right. And so that's what common misconception with a lot of people. They're like, oh, I'm going to farm inside. Now I'm not going to have any problems. Yeah, Let me uh, tell you. Yeah. Bugs find you. Uh, yeah. You, yeah. You, flood, bugs, you, you can't keep them out. You flood yeah. a farm. Yeah. You forget to turn a farm on. You know, you forget to turn a, a drain at close. Like you. So there's always going to be those problems. So I see this as a complimentary way to like, again, shorten the logistics. It's what we're calling it hyper-local. I don't get behind like all these marketing gigs, but yeah. you know, the hyper-local and, and not having to distribute goods, just these massive, massive distances, you know, and yep. the USDA and FDA says that 400 miles away is considered local. Yeah. That's anywhere outside of South Carolina. Yeah. Right. At any right, point right. in South Carolina. So yeah. that was really important to me. And I think growing inside can do that because sure. in places like this, where else? We don't have any more land here, man. Yeah. We've got to go up. Yep. So I can stack four of these on top of each other on 320 square feet. Mm-hmm. And that translates to about two and a half acres per unit. I think also the thing that's most attractive to me about what you're doing is that you get to control the one thing that right. you know, row crop farmers can't control the weather. You know what I mean? Certainly. And that was something that Corey and I like learned some pretty brutal lessons about, you know, if you're not getting rain, you got to pay for your water. You got to set up all those infrastructures. If you get a storm, I mean, a storm can wipe out an entire farm. Just had it, that frost. Yeah. Or, or flood or a, like anything, right? A drought, a flood, a wind. The locust come like, Yeah. Right, like right, who yeah. knows? Like any, any number of things can, can, can wipe it out. And there's a lot of things to mitigate that, but mm-hmm. you've got a lot of tools. Um, by doing kind of this indoor process, like, okay, you're not, wind isn't your issue. Rain's not your issue. You know, those kind of things you can kind of control. I'm sure you've got some temperature control. Certainly. You got like temperature, humidity. I control the CO2. So we're really controlling everything. And you know, that's the thing too, is, is getting those plants when they need it. We don't want to stress plants, Mm -hmm. right? When you stress those plants, they'll either start to, you know, to bolt on you or, yep. you know, change the flavor. And just like anybody, you're not the same person when you're stressed. Totally. A plant's not going to be the same when it's stressed. So that's really what we're trying to focus on with controlled environment ag. And the CEA is kind of what they call that. And, and what it is, is just trying to maintain just exactly what you said. Yeah. Humidity, temperature, making sure it doesn't go too high, too low. You know, you might have propane if it gets too cold to, to heat it up and things like that. You know, it can be in a greenhouse and considered controlled environment ag. So mm-hmm. there's a, a big umbrella and blanket of what it can be. But yeah, I, I think that that's really cool and you know i'm kind of seeing my first winter season now and okay and, and feeling for those people when it when it does hit them you know it's, yeah i i don't know what the weather is outside right, right? I'm, yeah that's not it's not a concern of mine at all yeah interesting how how much product can you cultivate 
How, how much are you cultivating a week? Gotcha. So that's here. exactly what I'm trying to do. I have four walls in there and I'd okay. like to have a wall a week be a harvest basically. Okay. And so there's 22 panels on there and there's kind of like five rows in between each panel. Okay. And with that, you know, depending on what I'm growing, um, you know, I can put out a pretty good amount of lettuce, but that's kind of putting all your eggs in one basket and I can't do some of those cooler things like with the mustards and yep. the arugulas and, and herbs and things like that. So, you know, conservatively saying right now, I could probably do... 75 pounds of lettuce then i probably do like another 25 pounds in leafy greens and probably do another you know 25 pounds in herbs and things like that so a good 100 pounds a week depending on what i'm doing and the varieties that i'm growing yep um but you know you know the numbers that they have and that we have studied with different things it can put about two tons a year out okay so you can really push it you know and it does grow some root vegetables and some things like that but that growth cycle is going to really be affected yeah so so let's talk a little bit about that so greens are an obvious choice mm-hmm. because they have a quick turnaround time, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, micros, I mean, I, I, when I was doing my research for our farming, right, we, we knew instantly that we needed to do micros because all my chefs use them. Right. Um, you know, I'm kind of phasing out of micros. Like, I'm like, fuck. Oh, you love or hate I'm them? like, fuck that shit. It's, like, it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely, there is two sides to that argument. For well, sure. and, 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 and the thing is like, you know, and I, and I skate the line, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I love, like you and I discussed for right. this new tasting menu thing that I'm going to be doing um, starting next month, which we'll talk about later, some really unique, interesting herbs and things that you don't see everywhere as garnishes to enhance a dish, right? But one of the things I despise and I see all the time is people are just throwing piles of micros on shit. Yeah, just to, <laughs> like, as a, it's, like, it's like, give it up, man. Like, for why, right? Because you need something else or you need to fancy it up or whatever. And, and I can't get behind that. I'm right, right? with you. So, so I'm kind of like on the line about it. And I think there's definitely a market for it. Like those you know, specific herbs that are going to bring a flavor characteristic or some something to a dish, right? Everything has a purpose on a dish, right? It should. And then sometimes it doesn't. And I can't stand <laughs> that. But um, so micro, so Corey and I, you know, obviously we're like, hey, we got to grow micros because we can turn these around in, you know, three, three weeks and 20 days. We can have a full harvest of vegetables that can help us buy some you know, whatever bone meal that we need to like, right. you know, amend our soil as we're, as we get into this crop rotation situation in the ground. Um, and so that was, a, that was a huge learning curve and we were just growing under simple lights. Right. I mean, you can, you can have a very humble system to grow microgreens. That's what I have. My hand yeah. water mine. Yeah. Yep. Cool. I got two racks and I, I hand water them. And are those inside your container? They are. So, okay. you know, for the time I'm, being they're I'm, they are. Like you said, I'm controlling everything in there. I'm paying a pretty penny for that atmosphere. I, yeah. I'm trying to grow everything I can in there, but yeah. 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 Want to get something outside where I can put those in because like you said this, those things will grow anywhere. On yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were, I heard you talking yesterday in the kitchen to, um, you were talking with chef Jack about mm-hmm. growing the, I think it was the, was it the pea shoots corn corn and peas oh yeah. corn and peas yeah. under under like cloches like completely shaded so yeah. that to change flavors and stuff which i think is amazing and that's super fun right, right. Like you're you're able to manipulate and play around with different growing techniques and stuff to give a different product and then you know obviously the lettuce greens every restaurant's got a salad right turnaround time's good so it's it's a good investment i'm super interested in the baby vegetables right like what is what are your thoughts on that? What are your concerns about it? Mm-hmm. Obviously, the time is going to be something. Right. Right? Like, so, how, how much, and that we'll get into this later. Let's talk about the vegetables. Right. But I want to lead into the finance part of this. Right? right? You've got a limited space. Right. 
you pay a pretty penny for it. Right. How do you, how are you going to, uh, and that's, and that's it. that. Yeah. So a lot of the determining factors for this is you got to remember, I have one tank, so it's one nutrient mix. Mm. I've got one environment, which I've got one humidity level, one temperature level, and I'm running 18 hour days right now to get the best out of my, my plants that I can. Some plants don't like that much, right? Mm -hmm. And you just can't push them that much. Mm. And so with those root vegetables, I can grow them in there. But yeah. as you said, I got real estate and it's expensive in there. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I really have to grow what I can, you know, what I can sell and what I can get my money back on, uh, you know, as quickly as possible. And not as quickly as possible, but within the realm of, again, that seven week kind of that, yeah. that cycle. And right. so that's where... You know, I've done radishes. I have done some of the baby carrots in there and they just, they push like nine and 10 weeks. Mm. And again, if I could just have one container though for all of those, right. then I could make it much more efficient. And you could maximize your nutrient Bam. situation and all that. And now Got it's it. just called a radish farm now, right? It's yeah. I'm just putting out every kind of crazy radish yeah. you can think of. Right. Right. Which I would buy those. Uh, uh, that's so, I want to. Yeah, uh, and radishes are say they're they're not seasonal. Everyone yeah. always needs them, and you can do a lot of varieties of those. Yeah, right? and those those like miniature oh, are ones. so beautiful. I got too. some wasabi uh, seeds. I've got I got a bunch of radishes because that was one thing I wanted to do is just do yeah. a bunch of radishes and just it's not feasible. Hey, could you do what is? Have you looked into doing fresh wasabi in there? Uh, not in there, but I have looked at it. I do. I have a wasabi arugula that, uh -huh. that kind of, and then a wasabina, which is the mustard. Yeah, I try and, and do, but uh, I have looked into that. I think like I the actual need, root. Yeah, I think I would need um, raised beds at best, and, and you know, I need like a year plus on that. Got oh so, yeah, that's a yeah. It's not <laughs> not gonna happen. No, nah, well, you say <laughs> it could, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. Not, not right around the corner. Not next season. That's, that seems like a long grow time for something. That yeah, and then you're like, all right, how much is this now? Yeah, how much do I got to sell this uh, wasabi root for? Right. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So, But yeah, experimenting with things like that. You know, we've got some cool trees that we can do. Some like, um, you know, the end there, I can do tomatoes and pepper plants as well. But again, I have limited space, and so I have to grow what I know I can sell right now. But yeah. it's fun playing around with that. It's obviously the reason I bought that is I like experimenting with different things. So yeah. always trying stuff. How much thought do you give to, I'm wondering like what your ethos and thought process is about just general agriculture. Mm -hmm. Obviously you were part of the chemical sales stuff. You're, you're, you're atoning your sins right, right now with your, right. your hydroponics. Like what are your thoughts on that? Um, generally mm -hmm. just where, where, where you think it's at, where you think it's headed and, um, and, and what consumers roles are in that mm -hmm. and then you know restaurants and chefs roles in that where's your head out on that yeah we'll, again we'll never replace traditional ag mm -hmm. just you just can't do it we got to feed too many people and to get that all done but i believe that the transparency is the problem okay right so the reason i started this is i, I did want to see the more transparency in where your food's coming from mm -hmm. and we kind of lost that you know and they they tried to bring it back with that cute marketing gimmick farm to table like but yeah, yeah, yeah. where it always come from yeah so it's it's exactly what you're saying what what does that farm look like because mm -hmm. we are saying farm to table but anything can be defined as a farm as you see i have a shipping container i'm calling a farm yeah so these factory farms and as you see these chicken prices are now going up and it's literally like it's so ironic putting all your eggs in one basket and yep. that's what they've done and then just why are those prices going up because the avian Cause yeah, yeah. That, that that that's what i want to talk about yeah i don't want to talk about the prices going up right. i don't give a fuck about that right i want to talk about why they're going up right. because i don't think those people understand right you know and that's important it so, is so eggs are out of control right now oh my gosh man like but why 
So they, they, they have these factory farms where they pack all these chickens in these farms and the chickens are already, again, we're talking about stressed. No, nothing is going to produce anything good that's stressed. Your kitchen guys, you yeah. know, your chefs, they're not going to do anything stressed. No. If they've got to worry about what's coming, where their paycheck's coming from, like all that, am I going to have enough yeah. for rent? Like you're not going to do your good job. You can't focus on what you're doing. Plants can't grow under stress. Chickens can't produce eggs under stress. They can, but they're going to be shitty eggs. Yeah. Right. And and they're going to charge you a bunch for them still. So the avian flu comes through because they have these factory farms. And again, we're putting all of our eggs in one basket, relying on one part of the country to supply everything for the whole country. We're doing it with lettuce in Arizona and California, where 90% of all of our lettuce comes from there. And we, we saw that, I think, last year, right? It was like last year, the flooding and all that Dude, shit out there. dollars for 25 heads. Yeah. It was absolutely insane yeah. at one point seeing some of the prices. And that's why I kind of got back into lettuces to help out a little bit with that, too. But, you know, with that, again, to the farm and the definition of what it is, it's got to get back to where it's more manageable. Just just anything. You can't manage a whole bunch of good things. It's, it just I believe that... If you're good at something, you're good at one thing and you focus on that and you you get it done. And I think these farmers just try and do everything. And again, back to the chickens, they're getting fed all the, you know, I could go on forever about it. They're getting fed the wrong things, pumped full of hormones, they're stressed, so they're barely producing eggs. And then when a a flu or some sort of sickness comes through, it wipes out an entire flock. Doesn't take anything. Doesn't take anything because they're all already living on one leg. Yeah. Right. Yep. And I think, and I think what, you know, a lot of the stuff that I learned about that, because Corey and I kept chickens too. That was mm-hmm. something that was important to it's us. It's so easy. Eat yeah. food scraps, man. Yeah. And like, and, and so like, and I love eggs. And if you have, if you've had like fresh eggs, man, you'll oh, never, you, you, you no. won't buy, you won't buy. You can buy look eggs. at it. You yeah. can look at it. Yeah. And so the thing, the thing about the chickens is like, they're, they're, they're not very hardy creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at a chicken the wrong way, it, it dies. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we, we, we got a cattle dog specifically to keep these things alive, like to keep like any critters away from them. Right. And she did a great job mostly. But, but I mean, if you look at a chicken the wrong way, they, they're, they're donezo. So like one, like you were saying, one flu, one oh, sickness will right. wipe out 100,000 birds in a week. Right. Um, and they're not going to lose money. They're just going to raise the prices on you. Right, exactly. No, no one, no one, they're in business to make money. Well, and then, but then, you know, you don't have the, you don't have the, the chicken is the infrastructure, right? Right. Like to, to lay the eggs. Uh, Well, now you just wiped out a hundred thousand birds. Like it takes time to get back to laying age, right? They're not just, you know, chicks don't just start laying eggs, right? right? They have to mature (laughs) and all that stuff. And so that process gets, gets wonky and played with. And tampered with. How and then, can we do it quicker? How right. How can we do it quicker? How yeah. can we, yep. And that's exactly it. They're just, they're, that's all they're worried about. What do you, do you think at all? Like, so one, one of the things that, that I'm super interested in, in the farming thing is about the nutrient levels of the things that, that we're eating mm. and how the growing practices and, you know, affect the, the nutrient density of our of our food and stuff do you think about that at all is that anything that you top of the mind always the biggest thing we can do to change that logistics if it takes i mean think about you getting on a plane in california right now and coming here right now let's talk about a thousand pounds lettuce yep right so it's going to take some time and logistics to get that over here yep i can harvest all of my stuff and get it to you within i don't have any refrigeration yeah that's awesome i have nothing yep right and everyone all the first question everyone asks me is where's your refrigeration i don't have any yeah 
it's just not needed. I harvest it, and within an hour or so, it's to the chefs, and it's in their walk-ins and ready to roll. Yep. So with that, I can provide a more nutrient-dense product just alone because the water levels and the, and the water density hasn't left that plant. Mm -hmm. So we're losing like 60 to 70% of all the water density in plants that are being shipped for three days or more to get to us. Yep. Going back to that hyper-local approach and wanting to be within 100 miles, you know, 200 miles to be able to get to somebody in a reasonable time, it's not sitting in refrigeration, refrigerated cars, hot, cold. I mean, you know, you yep. always see the beer trucks. Yep. Like, oh man, that beer's hot. Now it's going cold. And so it's like, it's just the same thing. Yep. It's going hot and cold, getting all the way to you over here. Yep. And then by the time it gets to the chef's hands and gets into y'all, man, it's half of it's gone. I see it all the time. Yeah. Right. It's literally how I decide what to grow with sometimes. I right. walk in, tell me your pain point, chef. I yep. hear him cussing Thai basil. I got you Thai basil. Don't worry about yep. that. Yep. And so, you know, that, that is one of the biggest things though, that we can change for the nutrient density aspect of our plants is just to cut down logistics. Do you know anything about, we're talking about systems and logistics, right? In our right. food system. And it's, 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 you know, I don't want to say it's flawed, right? It's not, it's not working efficiently. It's broken. Uh, it is broken. I think, but I don't think it's for lack of trying. Right. I think there's some companies out there that are trying to obviously monopolize and, and make as much as they can off of, you know, less whatever growing times and things are trying to, mm -hmm. to, to shave the system, right. To be profitable. But I think there are a lot of people who are trying to fix this problem. Right. And there's a lot of great minds trying to, to work are. on it. One of the things that gets me and that got me really fired up about growing for the restaurants was the food waste situation in, oh, yeah. in the, in the the transit you know i mean how much do you do you know any of these numbers like how much f yeah it doesn't make to the, it makes it straight to the landfills yeah no, i don't have to top of my head but it's it's astonishing it's a, it's a huge amount i was reading some stuff about it a few weeks ago and i was just like scratching my head thinking like i can't believe like the amount of effort time and money that goes into right. growing this stuff right for human consumption that ends up being fertilizer yeah. You just end up throwing it back into the dirt, right? right. Or in the landfill, which it doesn't even get to the, Where you need right? To it's it. like throw it back in the dirt, like let it at least decompose and we can use it again instead of throw it out there. We're, we're never going to get access to it. Um, and so that, that's what kind of got me thinking about the problem, right? right? It's like how and, and why locality is so important to me, right? Like buying local and one, you're the whole fossil fuel part of it, right? Like eliminate that. I'm 10. Our, I'm our like need that, I on, think I'm 4.8 miles from y'all. Yeah. That's so close. Right. I mean, it's on the way home. It literally, it legitimately is. I live on yeah. Park Circle. I go right to the downtown to James Island. Y'all are on the way home. Nice. How many restaurants are you um, are you servicing right now? I'm probably consistently with about fifteen to twenty people right now. Okay. You know, and I I do sell out every week right now, and so just onboarding more people and then trying to and to build that up. But yeah. um, at the end of the week, you know, if I have anything left over, which I, I rarely do, you know, I, I do like to kind of help y'all out. Right? Yeah. And so if I have something left over, I know it's going to go. I'm like, hey, I know you need this. And, yeah. and so I just try to pass yeah, float that. Yeah, float you a little bit extra. Right, right, right. Well, they, they know I'm coming in for lunch that day. Yeah, too, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's going to get me that, uh, <laughs> right. that, that CU burger. That's right. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so going back to that, that issue, right, mm -hmm. um, that locality right. is... It's huge. Like how... Part of the problem is that the the, in my opinion, the the food isn't as nutrient rich mm. um, as it could be, or as it should be. How much of that is areas to grow? Right, like where like land is not cheap 
Huge. Um, it's a huge. That's a huge component. And to grow successfully and efficiently, you need specific land. You can't just grow it anywhere. I mean, it needs to be. Uh, they, has, they try here with this sandy soil, but yeah. I can tell you, it's a lot more difficult. Yeah, you but you can land. do it. Right. Actually, I was reading about this guy um, in Florida when I was doing all my stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like my whole thing was about human scale farming. Right. I wanted, I wanted to be farming that you didn't need giant machines. I didn't want to have, I didn't want to use diesel. Right. I didn't want, I wanted everything to be able to be produced from a human. Handmade. Yeah. Handmade. That's right. Um, because, because of a lot of these things, right? The, the, um, natural resource kind of situation like that stuff is eventually going to dry up man. Yeah. you know? And so basing all of our, livelihood and kind of structure around that I don't think is a healthy is isn't a healthy approach right um and so I forgot where I was going with the this dude in Florida oh yeah so dude in Florida you know Florida's a giant marsh basically yeah. with 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 sand sand dunes it's like surrounded by sand dunes and this dude um started doing this like human scale farming down there but the the thing the first thing that he ran into was was the seasons are flip-flops right Right, like right. summer, you can't do anything because it's so hot and the sun. You're so close to the equator that's so just like, human, right? Right. So how do you deal with that? Okay, so he found a way to deal with that. He ended up using like you know shit like mm -hmm. grow shade mm -hmm. and stuff like that to kind of control some of the UV. Um, but the major issue, and the, oh, so the thing was, he didn't want to grow hydroponically. He didn't want to grow indoors. He wanted to use the soil. Right. And so the amending of the soil to for that project to work the amount of organic material like to bring in yeah like oh, leaves wow. mulch oh, wow. like right. just right. dead plant matter just all kinds of shit i mean they were bringing in compost and stuff yeah but i mean most of the stuff he was getting for free right, right? he was getting it from like horse farms or like but but that was a rooms. whole process right. right you have to say find the people to give you the <laughs> shit like i gotta come by you know, truckloads of right poop right um but ended up i think it took i want to say the number that jumps out of my head is three years i think it took him three years to get to like a, a system where he's now growing in soil that you know he tests and, and mm -hmm. amends and stuff um but is growing uh greens and and root vegetables in the winter time so when a lot of normal farms are out right. are out Right. He's got all the spring crops. He's got radishes and he's got, you know, all this, all the, the, the quick growing um, peas and, and all that kind of stuff, um, which I thought was just fascinating. Right. That this guy was like, OK, well, here's a here's a problem. Like all we grow in, in Florida is citrus. Right. right, it's like okay, that's where you get your citrus from, right? Well, they, they they fold, right? They're like, hey, look, this is the only environment that I can have without doing anything, so let's grow that, right? right? And not trying to address a problem, they're just going to move. Okay, well, we're just going to grow avocados here, yep. and we're going to grow like you're saying, we're going to grow. Yeah. Oh, we're only going to grow lettuce here, and you go over there, it's all indoor anyway, right? Over there, so yep. that, that's even more hypocritical and, and funny to it all. It's like, yeah, so if it's indoor, it can be anywhere. Yeah, you put it wherever. Right. Take, take take the most gnarliest right. food desert in an inner city, right? And start pumping out a couple thousand pounds of edible. There was one guy food. I was working with that was trying to not disrupt the food chain, but so to speak, like that, and wanted to put like fifty of these containers every like five hours. Uh huh. And I was like, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. I mean, there's a couple people that are doing that. Elon Musk's brother, you know, he's yep. doing that with Square Roots. Yep. Yep. He just opened up a new plant in Kentucky. Okay. Um, and they've got like yeah, twenty five, thirty of them, I think there. 
Um, and so, yeah, I think there's several things that you can do and it's not run from the problem. Like you're saying, I think that there's, we have so much technology now that there are other things that we can do and it doesn't have to be a complete system, yeah. right? Let's just, let's just lengthen that cycle that or that growth for two more months. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's just, it's now you're more dependent on locality. Like we've been going back to mm -hmm. than having to reply or, or, you know, rely on those guys cross country, out of country, wherever it is to get the stuff for you. Right. Right. And I mean, that's a lot of the stuff that is crushing, crushing it. Restaurants right now. Right. Right. Is like, it's the inflation is not just things cost more, right. Cause the human labor element, but like the fuel getting it to yeah, you, the fuel to get it to you, then how much of this stuff is getting caught up in transit? Right. Right. Because of the whole supply chain issue. And they're probably um, throwing away exactly what are they throwing away that we don't even see? Cause sure. you know, and, and you know, going into retail, look, those guys, they're tough in retail. They'll send it back. Yeah. And what am I supposed to do with lettuce when they send it back? Like, yeah. so I don't do retail. Like, Hey man, you want this lettuce back? Like I thought you were going to buy it. Yeah. Like <laughs> I have no use for it now. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm I don't pretty, even have soil. Right, like, I got enough, I got enough lettuce in my fridge we're <laughs> yeah, good we're good yeah. um so yeah that that is and it, just seeing and how you can't just come together and be like dude i'm wasting this like let's do something about it right you know and there are some people around town that are doing some things trying to help get that food to the right places but no one's standing up and saying hey we're throwing this away right it's just my job today is to go throw away this container of lettuce right and, and, and we're talking about you know a container a 40 foot container right yep and 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 that's just their job and they're not telling anyone what the problem is mm -hmm. so yeah, I think food waste has always been something that's on my mind. It's just, and again, what you can do with that. You can feed chickens, you can feed hogs, you can feed so many things. You can just fertilize your soil and your garden yep. around. Um, I don't know why they won't educate people more on that, but you, you definitely have to go educate yourself on it. Right. That's what it seems like. I know they're not, they're not, they're not teaching that in the Pythagorean theorem. No, <laughs> right? for sure. Well, and I think I think the people that, that, so I think there's a couple different, you know, there's a couple different, levels of awareness on this, right? Like some right, people right. don't want to know anything about where their food comes from at all. And they don't know what it's cooked with. They just yeah. want it to taste good. Like I don't, yeah. I just want it to appear in front of me and then I want it, it to taste good in this hole. Right? Yeah. And right. that's it. Yeah. Um, and then there's other people that are slightly aware, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, they have a conscious. They're like, I just want to make, you know, I'd like for all my stuff to be coming from a, if there's a choice, I say it like this, if there's yeah. a choice, I'll choose one than the other. Right. 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 It's not the price. Right. Guy. But I'm not going to abstain. Right. If, 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 if whatever. Right. And then I think there's like hardcore people that are like, Hey, I only want to support people that can uh, smell their water. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, and I, but I think the healthy way of doing that, right. Is it people that can at least engage mm -hmm. in the chain, right. right. And have a healthy approach to the chain, meaning, you know, don't rely solely on one aspect of it. Right. Right. Like buy as much as you can local. Like, like the way that we do it, right? I, I don't boast farms and things on my menu because I think I've developed a reputation for cooking that way. This is something that's it been adamant about me. It should how, be known. Yeah. Like I don't have to say local lettuce. Like my lettuce is local. If I can get it local, it's local. Right. If it's not, then it's not. But and I, and I don't have to use that as a, as like you mentioned as like a marketing tool. Yeah, man. Right? I, I can't stand that. Right. Um, now I will I will put a farm on my menu if they're doing something special that I like that I want to promote. Or right? if it's big, something yeah. big that you can you know, and again, are they can they sustain that to you for a time? Right. Like it's not for you just to put it up one time and make a special. That's so much work for y'all. Yeah. And that and that goes to the healthy part of the chain that I was talking about is like if you spread it out and you've got a healthy. Um, flow of product coming from 
different areas. Yeah, right. If something happens, you're not stuck. Right. And I think that's a lot of what's happening with the chicken situation. Right. Right. And We're going back, back to, to that. Yep. Um, is, you know, if you only buy eggs from here, well then when that dries out, now you're, you're screwed. My biggest thing is I try and tell everyone, I, I, I can't give you that much. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, let me get, I, I don't yeah. have that much. Let me much, supplement man. your. Right. I told you I was in a shipping container. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. So it's definitely an aspect to it of, of consistency. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I found out chefs want a couple of things. You better have that flavor. Yeah. Right? Better have that flavor. I've right. already got the local part checked off, so I don't have to go talk about that. And then it's, you know, can you sustain this for me? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not about to put this on my menu or use it, and then I've got to next week come up with something else. And then next week we're coming up with something else. Y'all have got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. So I think it's on, you know, on us to, you know, ease that. And that's, you know, definitely the other side of the business and, and servicing is going in there and easing y'all's pain. Like, y'all yeah. have got staffing issues, you know, trying to find issues, shortage issues, everything else that's going on that mm-hmm. you're worried about. And, it, you know, it's a lot easier if I can come in and just be like, hey, well, here's this and it goes well with this and I'll have it for this long. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, again, opening that conversation up, having that just transparency on everything. Right. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. If you want this, I just need an advance like with your lettuces. Yep. Told you, hey, man, I need this amount of time and, and I can basically guarantee that. Right. Mm-hmm. So Because I'm not going to have you better it. guarantee it because <laughs> I've got it on my tasting right, menu. Right, so right. it better it better come. Right. Right. <laughs> And so but that's the thing. I don't have to worry about a frost coming right. or a storm coming or say yep. we get a week of rain and now I'm fighting mold and things like that. So yep. that, that's where, you know, back to the full circle of it. And that's kind of what I can do better is mm-hmm. kind of that custom farming is yeah. really what I try to, to tell, tell everyone is I can make it the size you want, the shape you want, the flavor you want. Um, but in doing so, that's the, the real advantage of CEA. What, um, do you plan on growing the farm at all? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely uh, trying to right now. Um, it is a one-man operation. I got my godmother on there. Shout out to Diane. Uh, she comes in and helps me. So Thanks, Diane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that free labor. Um, and that's really, you know, one of my biggest things is like getting out there and growing the business, right? Because I am having to tend to things. And, you know, you saw me in my work gear the other day. And so I was having to issue, fight issues with humidity and tank issues and a pump going out and like you've got all the sensors for everything to, but look when it goes off you, yeah, you gotta, somebody's got to change the pump like right. it doesn't it doesn't do itself right you know? right and so that's really you know i'm an hvac expert now like, yeah let me tell you I, I can i can fix an air conditioning unit these days yep that's and awesome so, yeah with, with it's the plumbing and everything that's associated with it so again you could you trade a set of problems for another so if I can get somebody to help me kind of do that more and i've, I've got a couple people that are, that are you know looking at that are that are good for it a little college guy um and uh and then growing and i and i don't want to get stuck in just one way because you and i were talking about doing the cool root vegetables so it could be something doing raised beds and then having tunnels over those raised beds so i can get a couple extra months out of the season right and like i might say hey guys i am down for you know december and january and there's nothing wrong with that but at least having different methods so i can grow different things and expanding different ways but the controlled environment aspect is big to me um and I think that's, again, the way that I can really serve the chefs around here and the, and the industry here is by being predictable with that. Yeah. Where you're at right now uh, behind Firefly, do you have room to do some raised beds, to do some? Is there That's space exactly for that? what I'm looking at. So, yeah, I said that exactly. So we're doing raised beds. I'm going to do trellises. I'm going to do some flowers for everybody this year. Nice. That seems easy. I'm just going to sprinkle those out and have some trellises, grow that stuff. I've got a couple grow towers as well. What's a grow tower? Um, it's like uh, your at-home kit kind of. Okay, like, got but it. But it's like a commercial one, right? Gotcha. It's, it's nine feet. 
Okay, so, so it's like a big pedestal with like you, you can run your fluids. Through yeah, I think it's called a Juice Plus is the one that I have. Okay. Um, and so you know now I can grow some cooler things like some fruiting vegetables, cool. right? And back to what I'm really like having, cucumber, zucchini, blossom, that Cucumelons. kind of. Okay, right, I'm some, into that. Right, yeah, some cool things like that. And what I can do then is because it's it's its own tank, mm-hmm. right? So now I can really focus on hey, what you does can adjust the, that specific. Bam, and we're we're nice enough atmosphere here. You know, you might hit a rain or two or things like that, but you're just counting on it to to grow still. Yeah. Um, because we do have sunlight. And I think that's the next route I would go is hopefully to do something to capture some of this sunlight. Like you can have a greenhouse mm-hmm. and you can just heat it and cool it. Yep. Right. But we have so much sun and it's so prevalent here. And I do have space out there. The guys at Firefly are great. Like they're just, they're really into it. Um, we're trying to get a compost little thing going because everything they use is compostable now as well. There's yep. straws and cups and everything. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great spot out there. And Dude, I mean, man. again, there's, there's nowhere else to go. So you're going up the peninsula. Dude, right? I actually, I got a story for you. Yeah. So on the farm, <laughs> on my farm, Chef Jamie's farm, we, um, man, I'm like, you know, I'm such like a pie in the sky guy. You know, I'm like this, like eternal optimist. I'm like, oh, we're going to do all this. And, and I do the shit. Good. Like, I fucking get good. it done. I need y'all. Yeah, but it's not, sometimes real, it's not. Real, yeah, I'm a realist. Like, dude, that's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, but I sometimes love the show. <laughs> so, so I fucking, we started composting yeah. out of the restaurant in Charlotte. Oh, yeah. Okay. Out of Church Union in Charlotte. And we, I mean, we're busy restaurant. We're right. doing, you know, 300 to 400 covers on a uh, night on the weekends. And then, I mean, it's, it, we're grinding. Right. A lot of scrap and waste. So I literally, I mean, I bought these big, like the big, trash wheelie joints right? oh, yeah. with, the, with the flip flip tops and we're filling these buckets full um every a day. day so every week i'd bring my pickup truck down the guys would load load my pickup truck with two of these things i take it down to the farm and you know toss it in the compost bin well Corey and i were turning that by hand because oh, like, wow. i was because yeah, it was all human scale i didn't have like machines for this shit Ugh. so after about six months of doing compost, I was like, what the fuck am I doing, man? Like, I'm, I'm 47 years old. Like, I'm not like a sprint. I'm not like a 20-year-old, like, buck, you know? Um, I was like, what are we doing out here? Like, I can't be turning compost. But we actually were able to fertilize one entire 100 by 30-foot bed. Oh, wow. So we probably had six. We had... I think six or seven 100 foot rows, right? Right, 30 inch rows, um, completely from from raw ground to completely composted and growing vegetables with the vegetable scrap in one season. It was pretty amazing. It's cool. It's, it was super crazy, it, man. I was like, look what we did. Yeah, there you go. You know right? what I mean? The results are so worth it. And I, that's one thing I'm really attracted to is because it's such a short cycle. Yes. I get to see the results so quick. Yeah. Every day I go in there, it's a different jungle. Yep. Like it's, it's so crazy. Yeah. So and really the thing is. was like, and the thing about it was like, I learned a ton about it. Right. And, that, and that's the real value of this. Right. The value was for me was like, seeing it happen and then sharing that with my team because my team was like holy shit like like chef jamie did this right like nobody i didn't nobody asked me to do it i didn't make any money doing it i did it because i believed in it and it was something that i thought was important to learn right yeah and, and we did it and it yeah. was successful and they got to cook with those vegetables the way the way i compare it to and i've done it before is is you know a doctor does no other medicine a chef doesn't know where all their ingredients come from. Right. And so I think it's so cool when y'all take like even more interest in yeah. like, oh, what's that doing? Cause dude, I don't know it either. I, you yeah. know, again, I went, 
I went to the University of Mississippi for five years, had a blast, you know, did not study agriculture there. <laughs> Jumped in the Did you study anything there? Yeah, drinking and women. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Did you get a degree? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. I did leave. You know, I think the graduation rate's even like fifty percent. So it's just oh, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's a great time. Okay. Great time. Um and with that, you know, you don't know everything, right? And so that's where I, again, coming back to that resource, I get to be a resource for y'all now. Like, yeah. I mean, let me let me tell you real quick how it is. And and I had a chef tell me one time, um, worked in the first kitchen, like real kitchen I ever worked in was Red Drum in, in Mount Pleasant. Okay. Ben, ben yeah. Berryhill. Loved the guy. And he was like, when I was talking to him about doing this and, and getting some advice from him, he's like, there was a guy when he was in Texas and he would come in and he was a meat guy. Yeah. But he would always come in with a cool fact every single time. Yep. You know, something about it. And Ben was like, I didn't think I cared at the time. And now that I don't have that, I'm like, all these guys just come in, drop their shit, hand me their invoice and they're out the door. Yeah. Right. And so I think having that relationship and then, and then educating, like, dude, what are y'all doing? Right. Educate me. Yeah. So I know how you're cooking. It's going to better me so I can do my job better and I can produce a better product. And then the more knowledgeable everyone is, the open, the conversation is like, that's just what I'm really about is having that open, yeah. transparent conversation. And it all helps. Like you don't even realize when you are talking to each other, how it helps. Yeah. Like everything that I've gotten to in this point, it's been some random conversation that I've had with someone that said, Oh, well I know this person, you know, that person Let's like get y'all connected. And, and it's crazy how it all works together. So talk to your neighbors. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, and that's what the podcast is about, right? It's like, yeah. it's about communication and getting the information out there and hopefully people do something with it. Yeah. Research. Know? It's all out there. What is the most exciting thing or the most inspiring thing for you about what you do? Yeah, I mean, obviously, seeing going to a restaurant and and I hate the word foodie. I'll never yeah. use it. You're totally uh, a foodie. Uh, nah, nah, nah. Yeah, nah. you are. Because I've come on, man. I've got some. I got some scars. I've been in the kitchen for a little bit. I, I worked through college and I uh, spent so much time there. I had to get a job to put myself through there. Um, they asked me to take a quick break, so. I found myself in a kitchen yeah. and so I was like, I'm not coming home. I'm going to stay there. I'm going to work through a kitchen. And so I worked through there for a little bit and you know, nothing big. And then red drum was kind of here. It was always my home base. And when I've come home, I'd work with them a little bit, but never wanted to be called a foodie. But I always, when I started out, I was like, man, it'd be cool to see this on a plate, right? Yeah. And to go sit down and order and like see my wife and I are sitting there because we do enjoy food. We enjoy cooking for each other. That's kind of like, and there's like certain love language. Well, that's our love language. Nice. Like, let me cook dinner for you tonight. And like, just, and it's good too. Like, you know, a good yeah, three yeah. course meal or something nice. And, uh, and so that was really big for me is just to see that, you know, that's an accomplishment that I could see that I, I want to do on a business level. Um, you know, on like on a spiritual level and like an emotional level for what it is for me is, is, is all the things we've kind of hit on today. You know, I, I, local, I'm from here. It just, it, I don't know why it just means something to us a lot more than everyone else. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think I heard one of your other podcasts talk about how you like, we had to integrate with the local market here. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, yeah, I listen. Yeah. yeah, yeah you do. <laughs> and, nice. uh, and, um, so that's got that some was, points there. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Right. And so that's, that's what I really, uh, I really thought that was a great point that you made too. Cause you've got to come here and prove yourself. You got to think about how, how quick the overturn is here, man. Like, yeah, just because your family says you got good meatballs doesn't mean you go open a restaurant on King Street. Right. Right. That's yeah. just your family's being nice to you, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? And, um, and just keep it. For not everybody else thinks so. Right. Right. They, <laughs> and, they, and they only can stomach it one time a year. Sorry. That's right. not, not every single day. So don't open a restaurant. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I think that, um, 
once you kind of accomplish that, and, and I tell you what, I have some friends and some chef friends, and, and they didn't buy for me for a while. Yeah. You know, and I was like, I wasn't going to, you know, guess what? I still called you every week. I'll yeah. still text you every week. That's no problem. You say, right. fuck you. I'm just saying, what time do you want me here tomorrow? Yeah. Right? yeah. So that's an aspect that I have that, uh, that comes in handy when selling stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, being able to prove to those guys and prove to myself that this is something that was needed, right? I, I took a shot. I took yeah. a shot in the dark. Dude, I bought the concert ticket and then just found my way there. Like, I, mm-hmm. I didn't have an idea where to put this thing in the beginning when I first put the money down for it and kind of just, just rolled with it and just kind of felt that it was the right thing to do. So you, you put the money down before you had a space yeah. to put the... Well, again, I told you I was going to put it in my backyard. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so That's I had awesome. a space. They just didn't like yeah. it. So, so I've got, sometimes I've got concrete you got, pads in the backyard. Sometimes you got to take a leap of faith, right? You got to say, hey, I'm going to make this happen, but I got to take the first step. Dude, you can, you can run every scenario. You can have every business plan. You can run every mo- business model and run the numbers six times over. And you just got to feel it and just know that you're not going to stop. Yeah. You know, until you get it done. I mean, you've opened countless restaurants now. So you well, to speak to that is like, you know, we didn't have a pool of investors when we opened our restaurant. Like it was a group of us that we're doing it for somebody else. And, and to speak to that is like, we invested in ourselves, right? Like we said, all right, yeah, this is a huge risk, but we're gambling on ourselves yep. and I'm not going to fail. The only thing I've ever you failed know? at is working for somebody else. Yeah. That's truly like, I've been a realtor for 15 years here. And so that's kind of easy. You're just being from here. You can kind of pick them up here and there with referrals. But you know, I've, I've had every other sales position you can imagine. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the only thing I've ever failed at is working for somebody else. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. I, I did finally was like, man, let's take a leap of faith. I know I can sell. This thing says it can grow, you know. <laughs> I hope it. I hope it can grow, <laughs> dude. Let's hope it can grow. So, yeah. With, with that though, just you know, again, proving to to the guys around here, and then on the spiritual level and emotional level, like just being able to work with your hands. Like you know, I'm I'm not working with dirt. You know, these nails are staying clean. Cause yeah. There's there's no dirt. Yeah. There. You got those like super clean yeah. hands, man. <laughs> Pete Moss plugs. Yeah. Um, but. With that, you know, I am able to see stuff grow. I am able to like match stuff up. I think it's really cool. I have not had that many chefs tell me what they want. So I've been able to go out there and just identify what I think would work. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of comforting knowing you're doing something right and you're on the right path. And I've named a couple things. Like I have some micro onions I've called youngins. Nice. And Kevin Johnson at the grocery was like, did that in 2012. I'll get the menu out for you if you want me to. And I was (laughs) like, well, at least I know I'm on the right path. If if this guy's calling that. And I've come up with that without knowing that. So, yeah, you know, that's that's comforting. That's fun to always see something grow and and doing it yourself and improving to those guys. And, you know, there's always naysayers out there. So sure. Talk about investors. You know, they always come back around once you got it done. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, yeah, well, it's it's no longer that price. Yeah. Yesterday's price. So are you you mentioned the numbers. Are Mm -hmm. you are you profitable? I am. Yeah. So that that was one thing right off the bat. You know, you didn't think it would happen. So I, I got it October 21. It landed here. It sat till March. I put it in the wrong place. I had to get another crane, another 18-wheeler, move it on the other side of Firefly, get it down, my power pole, new pad, all of that. So let's call it like March I got set up of last year. And I wanted to be comfortable with it. You know, I'm the kind of guy that's the first impression is everything and you got yeah. one shot to do this. Yep. Like I can't take a bad product to one of these guys and they're never going to call you. Yeah, again. they're like, done, And, and it's going to follow you, right? And when they go to a kitchen, guess what? It just follows you. Like yeah. they, you don't get a second chance, right? So I spent about three months till like June I really felt comfortable doing it. I wasn't going to do a direct-to-consumer method. I was going to do lettuces directly to people because I think we are very health-focused, and, and you know, we do have that second tier of healthy person here in Charleston. Yep. So I don't have to educate the consumer on why my lettuce is better than yours, which is a difficult part in you know more rural areas. Yeah. Um, and so with that, you know, I, I tried to do that. It didn't work. I was trying to set it at some farmer's markets. 
that wasn't working. And then I just quickly pivoted to, and said, let's do restaurants. You know, I thought y'all were going to beat me up. Yeah. I thought the numbers weren't going to work. I mm -hmm. thought that I, I knew I could get more money going directly to consumer. Yeah. Right? I could get $4 a head of lettuce and no one would bat an eye. Right. You know, I'd take y'all $4 a head of lettuce. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're like, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Right, right. See you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, right. sorry. And that's what happened. So right. just listening to that market, changing very quickly, went to the chefs, and it makes it easier on one person. Like, I don't have to bag all these things and, and you know every single head of lettuce being a different clam shell and so right. i am cutting down on waste i am cutting down on time mm -hmm. and i am still hitting the numbers that i need to yep yep good um it's also easier dealing with us yeah well sometimes y'all got egos yeah well <laughs> hell hold on <laughs> no it's true. it's true no it's true. it's true we do um but 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 you know i think one thing that I learned from, from our farming days, and it speaks to the whole like efficiency of stuff, is mm -hmm. like dealing with direct-to-consumer is a lot of work, man. Oof. It's a lot of like People. organization. People. Yeah. You know, and you've got, you know, you've got 40 different bags mm -hmm. of stuff instead of five different bags, right? And Your then, bags are bigger. Right. But... Handling you know, the product, too. That was one thing I found out. Yeah. You know, you, 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 I give it to you in a clamshell. Like, you can't just leave everything there in a clamshell, man. Right. So that's cutting down on a lot of waste I see is because I'm not having people saying, I did a couple small retail spots, and they're like, hey, your lettuce is going bad in five days. I'm like, that sounds great. You need to eat meat more or yeah, sell more. Yeah. All right. So five days, that sounds Yeah, really like, I don't, I don't want my lettuce to be a week, week and a half right. old. Like, no that's not a good thing. Battery. Right. Because yeah, right. now we're getting into the whole nutrition part of it where it's like, now it's not the product that I want to sell. Certainly. And that is right? not just anyone that is sitting out in like a merchandiser. Like, you know, if all of my stuff, I, I will question chefs and, and, and I'll put it in there, tape it up, write the date on there. And I'll be like, I'll be back in 14 days. And if it's good, we're using it. Yeah. And so that's another thing to the, the longevity of what can last is if you don't have to spend five days moving across the country mm -hmm. it'll, you it'll, pick that up in your cooler right, right. Yeah. so you do have a longer lasting shelf life less waste back to it right yep cool what else what else is going on yeah, that's, that's really it. Like, you know, like I said, I definitely am trying to look to, to do different things and expand more. And I'm always asking the chefs, you know, what can I grow for y'all? What can I do for you? Um, you know, that's always, you know, educating me on what, what else is out there. I found out what Lovage was the other day. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm going to take a stab at some of that. Nice. Um, cilantro is a little bit harder to germinate. And I just, you know, one of the things that irks me is cilantro is tough. Uh, yeah. And I just, I talk about it on the plate though. I just, I cannot, I can't deal with just the, you know, everyone here has got a taco and man, if there's not a mound of cilantro or just yeah. it's all over the plate and it's just like a, a cut piece. So that was like one thing I never wanted to grow. Yep. Um, but I am finding a different variety now. It's called confetti cilantro. So it kind of looks more just like more like frills and open, yeah. You know? So just something different, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm just trying to push myself and always trying to like find something different because it is a lot of my research. It is a lot of me going out there and seeing what else is out there, following the different guys that do follow, like we were saying earlier, um, Chef's Garden in Ohio. You know, yeah. something I Lee like Jones. To, yep, to aspire to be that and and to to be something like on that level. Um, for y'all locally here yep. and, and, and following those markets that they use them a lot. Right. So you can just go see like New York, San mm -hmm. Francisco, um, you know, all the markets, Miami, yep. all in California and just see what they're doing out there yep. and trying to keep up with that. And again, back to being that resource for y'all. So I'm not just some guy you're placing an order with, you know, I can say, Hey man, let's try this. Let's try that. And so definitely with the guys at Tempest, I'm always dumping stuff on them. Yeah. Right. Like they don't even know. I'm, I'm always, they'll be like, Hey, get this. And like you're ordering too much. I got some stuff to play with. Right. Yeah. And so, giving that to them and getting feedback from them. It's just really nice to have that relationship that I can have now where I'm not just growing things aimlessly too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what kind of plans do you have to start growing 
outside of the container. You mentioned the, the raised beds and stuff. I'm really interested in that. I'm wondering what, like in your head, do yeah. you have a plan for that? Or are you just kind of kicking around the idea right now? Or yeah. are you like about to put something in motion? Uh, I'm, I'm definitely still mauling a couple things over. There are a couple different avenues that I could take with it. Um, with the amount of capital that I had to put in initially for where I'm at, I think I could get a little further without having to spend as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, back to that work now, right? Yeah. And, and everyone's having that issue of having some consistent work. And if I do bite off more than this, I, I'll have to take some of that working money and that cash flow to pay someone to help out, right? Mm-hmm. I will need a farm manager at that point. Um, so those are the two things that I'm juggling. And I, I think that the, uh, the greenhouse is something, again, I, I want to capture the sunlight here. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm paying about $1,300 a month in electricity. Yeah. So, you know, you know, the HVAC is running at all times for like a cool 68. Like uh-huh. it's nice in there. Yeah. Real nice. And so I think I can do that and that can limit some of my footprint, you know, with electricity and, and also being able to make more money that way and not yeah, have yeah. to spend that. And then, you know, growing different things then, right? And that's, it gives yeah. me more room because I am in a container where I'm confined by space. So even growing flowers is, is difficult. I grow yeah. borage and some violas and two different kinds of marigolds, the jester and the tangerine, but you can tell already it's compacted. Okay. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's like plants will grow as much room as you give them. Yeah. Right. That kind right, of right. thing. Right. Just like us. Right. And so I think that being able to have a little bit more room outside and that kind of area would, would benefit me more and then doing the raised beds and stuff like you're saying, but I want to stay close. So when you're talking about doing all of these things, you know, I don't want to get so far out where I'm, I'm just a, now I'm just a farm. I'm a hydroponics farm in a rural area. And that's Mm -hmm. what I want to stay away from. I want to remain in the city limits and staying within, you know, within 10 miles, I probably have a hundred restaurants. Yeah. I'm such a target rich environment. Like it's, 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 it's really nice. I mean, you could do, you can grow a lot. Like one thing that I learned um, through our farm was, you know, we, we, we bought a six acre plot mm. and we had a huge piece of land. That's, and that's a lot. It, and I think we, out there. we were growing, I, I think on like two thirds of an acre, like just under an acre is what we were actually growing on by hand. Um, by hand. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I mean, we had four of those 100 by 30 foot. I mean, we, they were monster plots, <sighs> but a lot of it was because we knew we were going to make mistakes too. We're like, we're going to lose stuff. And like, you know, I don't want to be just like dried up. I have to have, space to have multiple things going right yeah so we grew a lot we had a lot of vegetables growing um all the time because i had to be able to harvest some Mm -hmm. right we relied on some of those sales to um to to fund the farm you know like to like pay for everything so i forgot i was going with that wait food's not free yeah 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 no it takes work right (laughs) um but but what i learned about that was that um you don't need a lot of space to grow a lot of food if you're doing it smartly if you're if you're if you plan how you grow your crops you can intergrow things i mean you have things growing at the same time in the same space right with different and there was a lot of that science that we learned um kind of after the first growing cycle we're like wait a minute there's got to be a better way right yeah. i kept researching and there's research. so many varieties out there too like you said yeah. that they'll grow like you know i can't grow spinach Right. Tyler Cook, uh, you know, he yep. wants, he wants hammerhead spinach. Yeah. That stuff's great. I, just, I used I, to grow We used to grow that. Dude, That's why they want it. They're I all like, you. Oh, we want that. Well, thanks. Like, I've, like, been, I've yeah. been battling that for like six months. Like oh, I've really? cold germinated this stuff. I've put yeah. it in the fridge and no. individually took the seed. It needs of, soil. Right. It needs like whatever it is about that. And it's a little bit colder than what I got too. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. um, you know, just finding different things. Like there's a katsuna, which is like, there's like a Japanese that tastes like spinach. So like mm-hmm. you're saying too, you can grow a lot in a little space and you know, 
you can be conducive for what your zone is and what your environment is and not have to do a lot. Like you can, yeah. you can really surprise yourself with what you can grow and what you'll use in a, in a small space. Like even your little home garden, like you can do a lot. Yeah. It's, it's neat. Cool. It's rewarding. Yeah. I'm into it. What else you got going on? What else you want to talk about? No, that's really it, man. Like excited for y'all. I just know yeah. y'all got some spots opening up across the country. So we I get, do. get to travel yeah. know, and get to go visit those places. That's gotta yeah, be fun. Yeah, come on. Mm-hmm. Come down south. Oh, no, no. I don't, I don't travel. I was talking about y'all. Oh, yeah. Got, you don't travel? Nah, two kids now. I can't go anywhere. How old are your kids? I have, uh, man, you're going to kill me this. It's like a 19-month-old boy yeah. and then a four-month-old girl. Okay, so too young to put to work. Yeah, like those yeah, baby not, hands can't be picking not yet. At all, okay. Not at all. Not at all. Soon enough, though. So you got to start working on those, yeah. the, the growth so right. that you can, you got that free labor coming up. Certainly, certainly. <laughs> yeah, but you know. I tried that with my kid. He was like, oh, no. We'll see, we brought him out on the farm like twice. Yeah. And he's like, I don't do the sun or the heat or manual labor. That's like, what when, when people say they're farming, like, and y'all have no idea what it is. Like, I've, I've been in that, the row crops and all that. Yeah. It, it is, it is so intense. Anyone out there that thinks a farmer doesn't know what they're doing or is yeah. dumb or is stupid or doesn't they don't have know money. what they're talking about. They all got new trucks. They're all, yeah. they're all doing it right. Yeah. And, and then, uh, and the, real quick though, one of those stats we were talking about and in, in the food moving forward, I saw it the other day is I think like. 75% of all farmers are like 65 or older. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I heard that. Is that not that's, gnarly, that's scary. Dude? It's really First of all, scary. At 65, I hope you're not working. Right. Yeah, you definitely, oh, but should, they, you definitely but, should be running a country if you're over that old. Yeah, right. but, right. <laughs> but but these guys are working. Yes. these farmers are working till they're like sun up, eighty sun or whatever, right. like until. And they so can. that's what it do with uh, you reminded me of that when you said about the generation behind us. It's because what's it going to look like then, right? Yeah, and like what, what happens to our food system when all these people are no longer with us, and now we've got like thirty percent of the farmers that we used to have. Right. Right. And it's all getting bought up. There's only a couple people that own it now. Yeah. That's how it's looking like everybody's. There's only three people that own everything now. Or three yeah. different companies that own every industry and control it. Yeah. So you got, you know, Bayer bought Monsanto. So that's one less. Yeah. So yeah. I think everybody should grow some food. Everyone should grow. Even if it's in your windowsill. Like you said, the microgreens, yeah. literally, you can drop microgreens in cracks and they'll grow. Like, yeah. Radish microgreens will grow anywhere under any condition. Yeah. It is not hard at all. You can literally sprinkle them anywhere. We actually have a grow box here at the Jasper. Right. Um, they, on the, the, the floor, they have like little raised beds mm-hmm. for the for the tenants. And so we're growing just some like herbs and stuff out there. Perfect. I think everybody should be growing at least... Like, so one, you can do the process, right? It's just, it's not, it's cool to me to learn like where your Understand food comes from. A little bit. Right. Yeah. Like right. the like how, what happens when it rains? What happens when you the, don't water? That's the, that's the bottom level of person that you're at the, the consumer. I don't care where it comes from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that person. Lab no. or dirt doesn't matter. Yeah. But, but, but a window box, you know, you can grow some herbs and you can grow some radishes and you can grow some things like that. you can feed yourself too. Yeah. A couple heads of lettuce. Kudico on James Island. They do a bunch of herbs outside. Look, I'm. I'll go by there. I'll grab the rosemary. Yeah. I'm not going to sit there. And, look how much rosemary is. If yeah. you tell me I can just grow a little plant like this and not spend $8, which you're only going to use two sprigs for the recipe. Right. I think that's what pushes a lot of people away from doing recipes too, is because you got to yeah. buy eight different things and you're only using a pinch of each. Right. Right. And if you have yep. a little plant right there, it's a lot cooler and easier and, and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Grow awesome. for yourself, cook for yourself. I love it. You know it. Not not really. God, he did a tempest. Yeah, <laughs> or, or or come to my Church restaurant. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. right. But, well, if you, but, cook, but if you don't want to cook, I know where to go. Well, you're not going to cook every night. You know, I don't need to be the every night place. That's, That's right. okay. I can I can deal with that. I, I'd like it if a lot, lot more people cook for themselves. That would be cool. Yeah. Because um, then they'll know what we you know they'll value what we do more. Exactly right. Know? Hey, they, that's one of the coolest things I've seen. Um, is is the tip the kitchen thing that y'all mm, do? Yeah. And real quick too, before you get off, I'd want you to talk more about what that. Uh, 
I think they're seeing the trends more because y'all are doing it now too. The gastronomy, mm-hmm, the economy, doing. gastronomy. Dude, it's just I. It's not fine dining phased out. I think it's just like that people want to go out. That just but yeah. you know you're. It's like how I started drinking wine and you get into that phase and everyone's yeah. everyone's like oh this that and the other and they're like so snooty that they won't help you understand it. Yes, I feel like that fine dining got away for a while. Yeah, and and now it's finally coming back and being a unique experience where you can connect with the chef and connect with you and connect with the farmer and yep. know those things are going at an affordable price. Yep. Right. So y'all are doing a really good one. Bistroni by Nico is doing a really good one. As well cool um and there's just a really couple like really good affordable ones that I've, I've really been impressed with yeah i mean i think so the the ethos for all that i'm glad you brought it up right. is like you know there's so much uncertainty going on out there right, right. um and you know is you know what's going to happen with the economy right. you know is the economy going up is it are we about to be in a uh you know a depressed economy for a while Our or third whatever, once a in a generation yeah you know like, like nobody knows and i think and i think you know Restaurants are supposed to be a safe haven for play, people to come to, you know, relax Enjoy their all fears. Of yeah, right? man, and just like so take a break, like right, like you know, hospitality, hospital, like you know, nourish yourself. Take well, a break. Let's do the dishes tonight. Right? Exactly, and 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 we we believe that, like Fish Street Group, like we're all about that, and so the economy gastronomy is an effort for us to offer almost our entire menu. Mm-hmm. Um, like a restaurant week type situation where you get three courses at a, at a discounted price so that people can feel normal in a time where they can do normal things. They can come out and get taken care of and get, um, have a nice experience without having to worry about, is it going to cost me a hundred dollars a person? Right. Right. It's a fixed price. It's a reasonable price. It's less than you would pay if you were to go out and order three courses. And so it's to entice people to stay normal a little bit, We'll take a little bit of a hit on the profit margin side of things. It's fine um, in order to keep the industry healthy. I think it's great. Keep the community healthy. One of the things that, you know, when you saw this whole pandemic hit and when that happened, you know, it was all like the restaurants were like, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Yes. And then when it turns, you're like, Hey man, well, you remember that time when yeah. you know shit was not your favor and we're totally. like just throwing you $50 bills. Cause it was just, everything seemed okay. Yeah. Right? Right. Everything seemed okay. Yeah, yeah. Y'all were hurt cause we couldn't come see you. Right. right. And so I, I think it's great. And yeah. I, so I wanted to bring it up too. Cause it's, it's one of the things that I, I, the whole sense of all the food and Bev and the community and the farming. And, and yeah. that's what it was all about to me and, and where it started for me with all of this. So yeah, I, I think that's one of the coolest things is y'all let you, you tip the kitchen mm-hmm. because man, I can't tell you how many times I haven't had a good server and I've loved the food. Yeah. But what you're, you know, you're the face of the deal. You're yeah. the server. Yeah. Right? And you're the one that I'm going to deal with and you're the one that I'm going to remember. And sure. I'm not going to see the guy in the back busting his butt to put out that dish right. for like the 15th time in a row. Perfect. Yep. So that that's where I, I think that y'all, and again, the ethos, the vibe that y'all give off and everything to that. I think it's, I think you've proven yourself to the locals. Yeah. I, I, th- I yeah, think yeah. everyone has seen that and felt yeah. that dude. And, and I said, I, I, I love it. I, I love that y'all do that. That's just one of the good Thanks, things. Thanks man. I appreciate it. Not, not everyone does it. I mean, it's, yeah. and I was always back in house. Yeah. Right. And you, yep. get, you get forgotten real quick. You do. And, and, and I think it's important to make the back of the house to the make, house, yeah, like, like, well, and to, to dissolve that rivalry, right. First off. And then also to entice 
people with culinary skills to like get back in the kitchen and make it a viable career. How right? many servers like, went to culinary school? Right. Yeah. You know, like uh-huh. it takes, it's a huge investment of time, energy, sacrifice. Dude, you to, went to, to college for it, man. Yeah. Like, you know, I say college, you went to an advanced yeah. education to, to hone your skills. I think I paid off my culinary school loans when I was like in my like late thirties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'd already owned a restaurant and still were paying back. Well, I mean, it's expensive. It's, it's terrible. crazy. It, yeah. uh, man, it, it was terrible. Yeah. Every time I had to write the check, it just yeah. irked me. And yeah. then, you know, then you marry someone and like, Oh, you've got student loan too. Great. So right. working that and saying, and then you're working that off and working and you see someone making double out there and going yeah. home and not sweating and not cleaning this kitchen <laughs> and cleaning that fryer. Yeah. And it hurt. It hurt. Right. That's all right. They were the ones that always bought you drinks though. Yeah. Right. Cool. Well, listen, Hamilton, thanks for your time, man. Thanks for sharing your story. Thank you. Um, Good luck with expansion and just doing what you're doing. I look forward to seeing what little goodies you have for me and uh, for everybody else to play with. Um, Best of luck, man. Appreciate you. Thanks. All right.